talk show. Hi there, my name is Susie Warren-Smith and I'm with AJ Sharp and this is the Food Talk Show. Hello. Hello everybody. I thought this week we would just have a party with some mates. I know, I'm really excited. And not just, just not do the programme. <laughs> And then just put the microphones on if anybody wants to listen. What do you think? On the table in front of us, there are wine glasses. Yeah, there's so a bottle, have a party? There's some gin, there's I mean, some ham. I'm so party because both right our now. guests have been here before, so they don't really need to say anything, Yeah, I think. I mean, I'm up for it. Okay, let's have a party. Right, uh, we're going to have a party with Chloe. Hi, Chloe. Hi. You've been on before. I have been. You on have before. been on before, and so it's Chloe Wilcock of Oink and Udder. You know, it, the clue is in the name. Yeah. Oink and Udder. I described you guys the other day, probably incorrectly, as the farming version of hot desking. It is basically like that. What oh, we do is basically farming hot desking. <laughs> what do you mean? How does that work? So you've got lovely pigs and you have goats. How yep. do you mean? Hot so we've desking? got goats, pigs, and cows over three different locations. Ah. So we farm over three different sites. Um, mercifully, um, we have found some land where we are able to consolidate all of our animals. But for the last uh, six years, um, we've been hot desking oh, around different farms oh. in Kent. Just finding lovely farmers and saying, can we, you know, are you using this piece of land? Can we borrow it for six months? I mean, that is definitely how we started. Uh, about five years ago, I gave up teaching and I said, you know what, let's start farming. So I bought some goats and then I went, oh, actually, I've got nowhere to put them. So I should phone around some farmers and see what happens. <laughs> I love this, though, because everyone says, oh, no, you can't get into farming unless you come from farming stock or you have lots of land or you've got lots of money to buy some land or... And actually, that's not true at all, is it? You've it's, proven this. It's not true. Um, I have to say, it's much easier, obviously, if you're born into farming. <laughs> you don't have to worry about the land when you can borrow or rent off of your parents or your grandparents. But then that also comes with other kind of issues, like successional issues. Um, but loads know, of people other... are renting out farmland, aren't they? So, yeah. 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 For all different things. Yeah. So. so Oink and Udder, and obviously, um, basically, Chloe produces beautiful piggy things and goaty things i'm very excited about yeah so we're gonna look at that have a bit of party with that we're also joined by jackie wilkes who's been on here before from turlingham vineyard hello hello it's so nice to be back it is good and you very kindly for our party uh brought along some not allowed to call it champagne because it's better than champagne anyway uh sparkling wine of england we do need a generic name for sparkling wine in England. We need we need some name. We do, don't we? Yeah, definitely. Um, also, Jackie and her sisters, who run Darlingham Vineyard, have been making gin. So you bought some gin for our party too. That's right. Uh, it's uh, something that's relatively new for us. And it's, yeah, it's something the whole family has really been building up. We're very excited about it. Good. Well, just to go with that, Chloe has bought, I can smell it from here, some beautiful hand-cut ham i have this is cured in local cider and local honey um it's from our rare breed black pigs and as you can see it's got a really rich color so most ham is like pink, pinky horrible color 
flabby almost and the and, and the, shiny and, the, and shiny and a little wet sweaty a little bit sweaty sweaty and then it's <laughs> got wet. the fat is like white oh. and flobby and flabby bit, bit damp. flobby and flabby this is beautiful um the, the fat is yellow and the ham is really quite dark, isn't it? Does it taste like it looks? I, why don't you find out? Okay, then I will do. Jackie, Jackie. We're starting with the ham, oh, or we're starting you. with the wine? Don't give her it first. Where the, oh, sorry. I know where the percent is. Oh, wow, you need a bit of that, because I can't eat all that. All right. Great. So, so tell us about your lovely pigs, because I know they have big floppy ears and that sort of thing. What breed do you usually... Um, so we've got large black pigs. Um, they're Britain's only all-black pig. Sorry, I'm eating the ham. <laughs> I shouldn't. I've got loads of it at home. But <laughs> Sorry, it's a party. Anyway. Anything goes. Wow. Um, so the large black pigs are on the um, rare breed survival list. Um, they're on the kind of on the verge of being up there with the critical kind of endangerment level. Um, so we're keeping them basically from a conservation point of view. Mm. But also they taste great um they've got an amazing depth of flavor um the fat marbling is great and it, it just lends itself to all kinds of piggy deliciousness um so it's great for kind of your sunday roast just basic pork um it's particularly good as ham and bacon um, and we're just starting to make our own hams and <coughs> bacons at the moment um, this is kind so of i'm eating test. this and it's not what i expected at no? all no because it's it's chunky and it's <coughs> god gone down the wrong way I didn't really think I wanted to have any ham. I've just had my lunch and I've just <coughs> nailed a massive slice because it's just it's beautiful, like, salty. There's a real depth of flavour. It's just not what you'd expect with ham because oh, it tastes... delicious. Yeah, because it's delicious and it tastes of something amazing. It's almost got a hint of the bacon notes that you would expect rather than oh, It's quite ham. hard and chewy. It's not like... It's know. more like a cured meat than, mm. than a ham. Um, we tend to overcook our meat and I think that might have come from us being vegetarian and vegan for quite a while before we started farming and then decided actually we should probably start eating some of the produce that we're producing. Um, so, yeah, for us... So you were um, vegan is, before? We were verging on the vegan. Wow. Um, and then we, start, we started... Big farm. <laughs> we started farming, yeah. So we started out with our goats um, and that was kind of the turning point. Um, we were making lots of cheese with the milk that they were producing, loads of surplus milk. And then we branched into soap making... And actually the first meat that we had for a long, long time was the meat that we slaughtered for our wedding. Um, and that was one of the goats that we had reared. And wow. quite a lot of our, our kind of really heavily carnivorous friends were like, actually, we can't do this. We've seen the animal, we've touched it. We don't, we don't want to eat it. Whereas Dave and I were like, actually, this is surely the best way of doing it. We've seen it being born, we've raised it, you know, we've sent it to abattoir. We and now we've cooked it and eaten it and as a celebration. Celebrating, so, yeah, it's You're, life. You've honoured it completely, haven't you? Yeah. yeah, so from start to finish. And then, you know, the skin went off um, and we got a goat skin rug back. So actually, wow, you, you know, everything. It, we literally, it was nose to tail and nothing got wasted. Mm. Um, and do you think that, you know, your previous lifestyle choice of being a vegan has, has influenced the way you're running the business now in that way that you're honouring the animals? Definitely. Um, we try and use everything. So we have a range of stock bones, so even they get used. And then the bits of the pig that are less desirable, we turn into dog treats. So we've got a line of kind of snouts, ears, tails. So it's truly nose to tail. And then Everything. we dehydrate the offal. You shouldn't waste a single thing of an animal. It's a big thing to kill an animal. It is a big thing. All of it. I love you don't want to go way. into a horse lasagna, do you, if you're an animal? Oh, definitely not. No. No, that's not what you're living for. No, but I, I, you know, I love that. I love that, you know, because in our house we have a dog. There's no waste because eventually, you know, if, if it doesn't get eaten by me or f cleared up by my husband, 
It goes to the, it goes to the dog. And often my husband goes, oh, those sausages going to the dog. I, I thought I would have those. <laughs> I know. A lucky dog. Yeah. yeah. So so we'll go back onto that in a minute. Shall we just have a, while we're chatting, shall we have a glass of sparkly? Oh, yes. Let me get mm. this open. Are you expert at sparkly opening? Oh, I don't know. How many do you have well, to be? I've probably a... opened a few hundred. Good. That's all right then. That's cool. <laughs> Twist the bottle, not the cork. Is that right, Jackie? Twist Absolutely. the bottle, not the cork. Oh, well go. done. Oh, that's a good sound. Expert. Oh, and it's gone all over the floor. Well done. Well, <laughs> it's going to have a lovely aroma in our boardroom, isn't it? Mm. So what have we got here, Jackie? We've got a, a, a lovely rosé. That's right. It's our 2020 limited edition rosé. We only made about 1,500 bottles of this one, so wow. it is very special. And it is all grapes grown sort of on the vineyard, you know, by ourselves. My mum does a huge amount of the farming herself still. Um, and, you know, we sort of help, uh, you know, with all of that as well. And all of the riddling is done by hand. So it really is a very beloved bottle at the end of the day. Well, oh, cheers. 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 That smells incredible. Sherbetty nose, lovely. So normally with Sparkly, we've got um, Chardonnay, Pinot Meunier, Pinot Noir. Is that what you've got on this? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And it's about equal proportions of each of them. God, it's really nice for that ham. It's gorgeous. That is a mm. good combination. <laughs> that is a good combo. I might have some more ham in a minute, yeah. Mm. And yeah, you're going to get some lovely um, strawberry shortcake uh, on the palate there as well, which is it's something... It's not sweet, though. No, it's, um, it's very dry. It's a nice it's bit brute. of fruit. Nice yeah. bit of fruit on there. And um, only 11% alcohol, so relatively lower alcohol than a lot of the sort of sparkling wines, Proseccos, uh, you know, that are out there. Mm. But Prosecco is a completely different winemaking technique. Don't do what you would do for champagne or for English sparkling. Exactly. Can you just quickly explain the process and, and therefore the price differential? And Absolutely. the reason why I ask you that is because I want you to talk because I want to eat some more ham. So do, <laughs> do carry on. So making um, sparkling wine in the sort of traditional way, it's how um, kind of all your top quality sparkling wines are made in England. What you do is you start with a very gentle press of the grapes. You just want that very first run of juice. They call it the cuvee. And then you make your still wine from that. Uh, and then the most important step is once you have your still wine, now you've got to get your bubbles in. And we use the traditional method. So you put the wine in the bottle and you put a little bit of yeast and sugar into each individual bottle. And that kicks off the second fermentation. It's where you get your lovely bubbles. And that then needs to age in the bottle for, at the very minimum, nine months. Longer is better. So that is how you get these very fine, very delicate bubbles. And they call that the mousse. Um, it's what you're <laughs> really looking for. It's all about the experience of the wine in your mouth. Um, there are other ways to get bubbles in wine. So Prosecco, Lumbrisco, you do that second ferment in the tank and then it's bottled under pressure. Um, and that's where some of the price differential that's cheating, comes in. Isn't it? Well, <laughs> I mean, as a as a sparkling wine uh, sort of fan, you know, we definitely prefer the sort of the texture that you get with that traditional yeah. method. And I'm, I'm not dissing Prosecco. I'm just saying it's completely different. Um, Absolutely. It, you know, and the fact that they're side by side on a supermarket shelf doesn't mean that they're the same thing by any means. Absolutely. Mm. And it, there's a real kind of art, you know, to that, mm. um, you know, getting that kind of texture um, and mouthfeel right. I was going to ask that. So can you actually control the size of the bubbles and things like that, that mouthfeel? It comes down largely to how long it stays um, 
in on the lees. Yeah. So once you've got your second fermentation, it, you have all this sort of dead yeast that is left inside the bottle, and then you sit and it ages, and that mixes in. It's where you get those sort of toasty flavors. So the the shortbread sort of elements are coming through from that kind of creaminess. Is the it? creaminess exactly. Yeah. And the longer you leave it, generally the finer those bubbles become, and it's why often you'll see the you know very very best sparkling wines and champagnes you leave them for 36 months 48 months you know kind of as long as you can and that's where your beautiful textures really come through fantastic and do you do you keep yours on different you know how long do you keep yours for as long as we can. We've sort of made a bit of a problem for ourselves now where we're selling so much, we can't keep as much back as we yeah. used to. Um, so this is 2020. We're now in 2023. That is a brilliant amount of time, you know, to be keeping your bottles kind wow. of on the lees. In a in a perfect world, you leave them as long as you can. Yeah. So we're working as hard as we can to kind of build up those reserves Stop selling back. It. Well, exactly. I'm joking. <laughs> Yeah. Stop being so popular. Well, this is what we tell ourselves. <laughs> so it's um it, it is a bit of a careful balancing act, especially when you're smaller like us. You've always got to be planning at least two or three years in advance. Um, so yeah, a very interesting part of the whole process. Love it. Very good. What 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 do you think of that, Chloe? I'm a convert. Oh, like I I don't like sparkling wine, well, regardless of you know where it's made from, where it's from. Um, but this is delicious. Well, particularly goes so well with that ham, I think. I don't understand why it goes well with the ham, but it is it's <laughs> it really good. Because it's rich and there's, you know, lovely mm. fat in the ham that's got great flavour. And this is lovely. It cuts through it, but it's creamy. So there's a compliment and a cut. Mm. It's lovely. It's really, really nice. Now, you, uh, you and your sisters have also decided to go into gin. Everybody will go, God, not another gin thing. But you, you're the base for your gin, botanicals are slightly different, isn't it? That's right. So we've got, um, it starts as a traditional dry gin, but we have a magic ingredient, which is some of our Bacchus 2020. We distill that into this very concentrated form called an eau de vie, and that goes in as one of the botanicals. Oh, wow. And it gives it this beautiful sort of elderflower, slight floral element. Um, it is very subtle. It's very smooth. And it's quite unique. We don't know of anybody else who's doing a gin sort of in this way. And what it means is over time, because each of our vintages tastes slightly different, the wines change over the years, the gin will change ever so slightly with that as well. So it's almost like a vintage gin idea, uh, which is which is really lovely. Yeah, nothing wrong with that at all. Now, can you manage a little bit of taste of that? I would love to have a little taste of yeah. that. Here we go. I'm afraid to say I have tasted it before, but there you go. I Ooh. quite like the idea of having, you know, wine as a botanical. Of wine as a botanical. Mm. Fascinating. Mm. And the nose has got it's got that lovely juniper, but there's citrusy there. There's you can tell elderflower. Yeah, big, elderflower. Big Obviously, we're drinking it neat. It's not often you just drink gin neat on a Monday afternoon. Oh, really? I do it all the time. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Only on this show, though. That's. I mean, that's the way you should judge it. I think, don't you? It, it really is um, lovely just drinking straight or on the rocks. A lot of our customers drink it that way because yeah. they, you know, they're, they're enjoying the flavor. It doesn't have that very strong alcohol kick that you often get. It's 40%, but it doesn't really feel like that. It does not feel like no. 40% in a good way. Yeah. But it's very light, isn't it? It's, it's almost slightly feminine in flavor, but beautiful. And we I... I love the theme at your vineyard. Isn't it? it's, it's, it's very kind of feminine girl power theme, isn't there? Very much so. It's something that's always been really kind of um, central to everything we do. 
you know, kind of originally with my mum and my dad, they bought the vineyard and, you know, sort of thought, okay, well, what can we do with it? And then with the three daughters, we've really kind of gone, okay, this feels like something that can be really special and it can grow, you know. Um, so it's it's been a, a huge privilege to be kind of building something like that. And you've all taken a different area of the business to grow, haven't you? We absolutely have. So uh, mum is chief farmer and she looks after all our very precious vines. Um, my sister Caroline is the sort of the, the planning powerhouse, um, the organising, the delivering, you know, the, the wine tastings, making sure everything actually works. I do a lot of the sort of customer facing stuff, uh, things like this. So this is always really fun. And our younger sister Ashley is um, social media kind of marketing. Um, and my dad is chief tractor driver. Amazing. Um, yeah. So it, it he really gets is... bossed around the whole time. Poor chap. He does. He mm. does. He's very, um, he's very tolerant. Um, Has to be. As long <laughs> as no one misses, messes with the tractor, then we are OK. You're, you're all OK. That's oh, OK. Brilliant. Um, and, and Chloe, you, you have children. Do, do you think that they might take, a, you know, might be as adoring of pigs as you guys? Um, they are certainly keen farmers. Um, they love being outside and getting covered in all sorts of deliciousness. They love all things natural, um, so whether it's farming or just getting out for a walk. But I, I really hope that they will kind of continue the farming streak. What age are they? Um, so Albert is four. Um, his favourites are the goats, okay. swiftly followed by the cows. And then Douglas has this really bizarre affinity with pigs. I don't wow. know why. We call him the piglet. Um, he loves I getting love dirty and muddy. And he is basically like the pigs and they follow him everywhere. And I don't don't really know why it's incredible. <laughs> whatever he does like in his kind of his movement or his mannerisms and the way he calls they will always come to the line yeah. for him like to the electric fencing for food or or water and there's me you know shouting and hollering at the pigs and he's just like come on pigs and they just follow him i was like okay fine i think it's great yeah. for, for children to be brought up amongst all that being outside the whole time is fantastic fantastic and i bet they don't get colds very often uh, they don't i mean i've got one at the moment but um yeah, I bet the kids fine. are fine. Yeah. Kids yeah. are fine. Kids are fine. I'm not, but they're fine. So, um, so let's talk about the, the sort of welfare thing. I know, I know, it's really, really important to you. Yeah. Um, but, but that must affect the price because you have to do everything very, you know, in in a different way. You're not, you're not sort of intensely rearing them. You're not shoving them in pens when, you know, pigs hate being dirty. Actually, um, yeah. uh, that they, contrary to popular belief. Um, so how are you how are you managing that? Because because it does affect pricing, doesn't it? It, it does. Um, but I'm fir a firm believer that actually, you know, we need a high welfare meat. There is a place for factory farming, whether you agree with it or not. We've we have to feed people. But, you know, if you can afford a higher priced, better quality product um, and that's something that you believe in, then obviously there's a range of products out there and, and our product is one of them. Um, but, yeah, we keep everything outside so everything has an arc or natural shelter in the summer they tend not to go in the arcs in the summer um pigs kick out an incredible amount of heat so when we had the the heat wave last year it was so hot in the arcs you know pushing 40 degrees um and there was very little shade kind of canopy shade from the trees um but now they've kind of moved into chestnut woodland it's kind of its own little microclimate in there and um, the pigs are not sleeping in the houses even now in the winter so they're choosing um, thickets of brambles and they're kind of digging out little nests for themselves um, so for us the higher welfare thing is kind of just giving the pigs the freedom to roam um, we keep them in Being electric natural. fencing natural, yeah, yeah they, they are natural they they're snuffling in the dirt and um, the mud they they are very intelligent so they keep kind of their toilet area and their 
rooting area different and again they've got a different bed area from all of those things so like you say they're really clean um they love being outside and it's so wonderful to see them kind of getting their snouts right in so why do they they love sort of you know snuffling around and trying to to find an acorn or or whatever it might be they 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 really love that don't they and i know some people who put them in in pens actually you know they'll have some straw areas but they'll they'll hide a few acorns in in the straw so that the 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 pigs can go and find them they sort of like searching it out like a they do. It's, it's that kind of, it's a really strong instinct for a, a pig to kind of search out the best bits. Um, and when they're in their outdoor pens, you can see the bits that are like the tastiest bits because the pigs will all congregate to like one area and that is the <laughs> bit that will get destroyed first. It's obviously at the moment they're in chestnut woodland. So in the autumn, it's all of the chestnuts. And at the moment, um, there's a carpet of wild garlic. So they're kind of choosing like the best bits of the wild garlic leaves to eat and then they'll go down and dig a little bit for the bulbs and then they'll move on and find, you know, kind of last year's chestnuts and and acorns and all sorts of other bits that have dropped from trees, catkins, all the leaves. They love kind of making their own piles and doing all sorts of bizarre things. We had um, a set of pigs once that used to make little stone cairns. Really? Like, and the pigs would just Little mounds of... They would literally just pick the stones up and kind of pop them... piles just around you know just dotted around the pen um so yeah it's amazing to see what they do in kind of different spaces in different environments but it's like children isn't it they're playing really yeah Yeah, i'm not sure what the the playing for it is but yeah it's it's fascinating to watch the natural behaviors um and and turning to you jackie i know again if you go into your uh, vineyard which they you do some great tours there um you're trying to do things as organically as you can you know, but that's not easy either, because if you've got a farmer next door who's not organic and is spraying, you know, pesticide, you know, that's coming over to you, how, how are you managing to keep it strictly, you know, in the way that you want it to be as natural as you can? Yeah, a great question. The the drift issue is always something yeah. we're aware of. We have grown a fabulous hedge um, all the way up the sort of western side of the vineyard where the uh, kind of prevailing wind comes. Yeah. Um, last year we had um, the Soil Association come and do a bit of a check and they confirmed that we get almost no drift or kind of cross-contamination, Perfect. which is yeah. amazing. We're part of this amazing organisation um, called Sustainable Wines of Great Britain and we did a, an audit as part of our certification of our carbon footprint last year it's very comprehensive. They look at all of your activities, kind of any contractors you might use, any diesel, uh, tree cover, a whole range of things. And then at the end, your carbon footprint is sort of calculated. And ours is negative 11.9 tons per year. So that was amazing. It was a real kind of carbon sink for the area. And that is primarily down to the way that we're farming without the artificial chemical fertilizers, which are one of the biggest kind of contributors. So kind of echoing what Chloe was saying about keeping it as natural, you know, as possible. Uh, Well, it it definitely comes out in the taste, don't you think, AJ? Absolutely. Um, uh, One of the things that I'd be quite keen to see is I would like to see ingredients on bottles of wine, which we currently don't get, um, which I don't understand because you have to have ingredients on everything else. What Uh, do you mean ingredients? Because 
Do you mean if, different wine types? No, no, because because the cheaper wines have additives and they add stuff to get the flavours. So, you know, they'll say this is jam flavoured wine because they put jam in it. You know, so no, do they? Of course they do. Yeah, uh, but that doesn't seem fair to me because that's what gives you a, it's cheating a, ter- a terrible headache or a, you know if you drink a lot of it. Um, but it's not natural and there is no label of ingredients why is that jackie the food labeling requirements for wine are very very different to food and i'm not sure why the standards you know the requirements are so different i think it is moving towards you know a much more kind of you know more regulated environment um so so you just put a plank of wood in a massive tank you know for for your oak thing well it's just like this but would that count as an ingredient consumers don't know that, that, that there's a lot of artificial stuff going into into some of the drinks no. um, I, I suppose you could say the same with spirits actually too um, it's it's definitely an area i think and people are more conscious of it now they want to yeah. know where did their grapes come from what are the processes that you know have been involved um from our perspective we try and eliminate any unnecessary steps so there's a step called finings which is um using um, albumin or other other products as a secondary filter to get your perfect crystal clear wine. Uh, it's just cosmetic. It doesn't add to the flavor. So we don't do it, which means all of our wines are vegan friendly. Um, but it's one of those things, if you have used it in the process, everything is removed. So it's not in the wine anymore. But a lot of people aren't aware of well, what exactly was involved in getting the wine to this point? Yeah, because a lot of vegetarians, for example, will think that wine is a vegetarian product and it isn't because it's filtered through a fish product, essentially. Yeah. So, so I, I do think there needs to be a bit more, you know, regulation in terms of ingredients and processes in the drinks industry, which there isn't. It's really interesting, mm. isn't it? Because you get the same problem in beer. Yeah. We were doing beer judging the other day and you were tasting things going, oh, how have they used the hops to get this real fruit juicy flavour? And then suddenly someone going, I think they've no, just, just added, added fruit juice. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, well, that's cheating. You've got to say well, it's that. It's not cheating, but it's not transparent. I it's think not that's transparent. Thing. That's, yeah. Yeah, um, um, and and I, I would like to see a lot more of that because I think people are interested in what goes into their food. Mm. So they, they'll look at that when they're buying food, but they don't when they're buying drink because it's not there. Yeah. Because it would affect the calorie content. It would affect all sorts of different things, wouldn't it? Yeah, but it's the price differential for me. You know, going, oh, why are you spending that much money on a bottle of wine? Because it's a proper bottle of wine and there's nothing else in it except for grapes, you know. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I just had a bit of a rant there. No, I like Should we carry on the potty? So um, just tell quickly, because we're going to have some more of your ham, uh, just tell us a little bit about your goats. Um, what so do you make with your goaty stuff? So the goats at the moment are predominantly for meat, um, but we do have a kind of a sister business um, called Goatily Soaps, which when oh, we have excess milk, we use that milk to make goat milk soap. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you will know it's fantastic for your skin. Um, and we also grow kind of all the herbs and botanicals that we use in those products ourselves at Fabulous. home. Um, so there's no essential oils. So I know it's an, a natural product, but yeah. it's quite potent. You know, they're really strong. They can have adverse effects for different people. So everything that we put into the soap is is as natural as we can get it. Um, mm. So it's a whole botanical rather than an extract or an oil. So, yeah. Perfect. So um, it's called Oink and Udder. Um, you can you do boxes as well, don't you? We do. Yep, we do. So, so if you love, you know, amazing meat, I don't eat a lot of meat myself, but when I do, I want it to be 
really like good. Good. This, yeah. Um, you you can get a subscription box, can't you, from your website? Yep. So you can buy one-off um, kind of small, medium, and large boxes, or we do a monthly subscription boxes. Um, the monthly boxes are a mix of meats, so you will get kind of goat, beef, pork in varying levels throughout the month. Um, obviously, if there's something Sounds you really, good. really don't like, then Sounds you could good. let us know. But yeah. Brilliant. And and Jackie uh, at Turlingham Vineyard, which is outside Folkestone, do a great tour there, don't you? Tastings, all sorts of stuff going on. Yeah, thank so. you. Kind of all the way through the year, we're you know yep. open again, which is exciting. And our online shop is now up and running as well. So if you're a little too far away to come for a visit, you know we deliver kind of nationwide. Yeah, but um, a great a great hour or two if you're you know in the area. So thank you so much for joining us. Great to speak to very local people just around the corner here from our studios. Shall we carry on and have a bit more? bit more party. A bit more gin. Let's do it. Desperately want some more of that ham. Go for it. That's absolutely marvellous, isn't it? Um, do you want to end the programme? I always forget what I'm supposed to say. Oh, you've, you've been, been listening, listening to, to the, the Food Talk, Talk Show. Oh. <laughs> show is syndicated through radio stations around the UK Indeed. and if you would like to syndicate the show on your radio show just please get in touch free for free it's free on info at foodtalk.co.uk hello at foodtalk.co.uk oh yeah you're right hello isn't it <laughs> yeah bounce back if we do that no <laughs> anyway that's because you've been drinking champagne should we have some more and we look forward to talking to you next week bye-bye bye bye